Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Survivor's Podcast. We got such a good show for you here. Um, I have Lamont here. Let, let, I'll let you introduce yourself. Hi, uh, yeah, I'm Lamont Barlow. Um, my great-grandfather was Joseph... Uh, sorry, my grandfather was Joseph I. Barlow. My great-grandfather was John Y. Barlow, who was one of the original prophets that founded uh, the Twin Cities of, of Colorado City and Hildale. All right, and then... Um, so let's stick with the the family real quick. Um, who's your Who's your parents? If we go into that, uh, my mother is Daylene uh, Bateman Barlow. Um, she was David Bateman's uh, daughter, and my father is Israel Y Barlow, who was Joseph Y Barlow's son. Okay, very cool. So we got a lot of you have a lot of insight that um, I haven't been able to get into yet about um, growing up um, during the time of Rulon and all that transition. Um, should we talk about that real quick? Sure. Okay. Um, so, uh, I, I lived through, I guess when I was a young boy, I, I remember Leroy S. Johnson when he was the prophet. I remember him giving us suckers and going and visiting him when I was seven or eight years old. Um, and I remember when he died. Uh, and I remember when, uh, uh, Ruin Jeffs was made the prophet of the FLDS church. And I kind of lived my adolescent life through that whole period. Um, I, my mother, uh, she left the church in 1992, July the 3rd, actually. Um, I was the oldest of eight kids, and she went to, took us down to St. George in the Big Bad World. Uh, that was a very uh, uh, unpopular thing for people to do at the time, um, and there was a huge push from the church to gain custody of the children because they wanted to keep us there, even if she wanted to leave. Um, she ended up uh, getting sick in December of that same year um, and passed away uh, December the 30th of 1992. And so kind of me, I was kind of torn. I was put in the middle of this, this religious war um, and we were being used as weapons on, by both sides. Yeah, so my mother passed away December the 30th of 1992. Um, I was kind of poisoned against the FLDS, obviously. My mom didn't like them and my father wanted to bring all the children back home and I refused to go. Um, and I wouldn't go. And, and so all the rest of the children did. And I ended up getting shipped off to Salt Lake City, where I lived with uh, Dan Fisher for a number of years. Um, and I was put into the FLDS uh, school up there for the FLDS Elite, Alta Academy. And I attended school there for two different years where uh, Warren Jeffs, this is kind of where his ascension to power started, was at Alta. And he was the principal there. And so he was teaching my generation, you know, and it, it became a very normal thing for us to see him in a position of power and control. And it really helped his transition into control as our generation got older. When he took over from his father and his father passed away, it was a very natural thing for people to see him in that in that position of control. And, and Alta really helped him do that. How old were you when your mom had passed away? I had just barely turned 15. Oh, okay. And then right shortly after that, you were shipped up to Salt Lake? Correct, yes. Oh, okay, okay. Um, do you remember specific times of, like, stories of being around Warren? Because he was the principal. Yeah, I remember uh, we would go up into the mountains hiking often in the high school. Um, every once in, in a while, we'd go to school in the mornings, and he would say, oh, it's a park day. And the whole school would go to the park and play all day, you know, and... and there was a lot of fun times. They really were. Uh, 
in that. And he was, uh, you know, he was very charismatic uh, in a way, um, a lot kinder than he was later on in his life. Oh, is that uh, right? Yeah, he was. He was a lot more, a lot kinder. But you know, he, he there was still a lot of politics. There was a lot of things going on behind the scenes that us little kids didn't know. You right. Know what I mean? Right. Um. So, how long were you at Alta? I went there for two years. Okay. Um, eighth and ninth grade. Okay. And then what happened after that? Uh, I ended up moving back home uh, with my dad. Um, you know, there was, Dan was transitioning. Dan Fisher was transitioning out of the church. There was a lot of conflict between Warren and, and the Jeffs and them at the time. Uh, and I ended up just coming back and, and moving back in with my father. At that point, you know, I decided I wanted to reform my life. I wanted to really you know, give it a good shot. And so I just became a, a real firm believer. Okay. Uh, I, I worked my butt off. I went, you know, and we would go out to all over the country, you know, Sanders, New Mexico, Albuquerque, uh, San Luis, Algodonas, uh, Yuma. I mean, we went all over the place working and I was gone most of the time mm -hmm. out doing concrete and, mm -hmm. and on jobs all over the place. And, you know, I started to really, you know, put my shoulder to the wheel, so to speak. Right. Uh, Try to become, you know, this this person that my father and grandfather would be proud of. Right. So they just put you right to work. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I got paid for it. It wasn't like slave labor. You know, I actually did pretty well. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, and, and a lot of the guys I worked with, I'm still very good friends with, and have a lot of respect for. Awesome. Um, do they? Is it is a general story that they usually take the young men and just put them right to work? Yeah. Well, that's the story now. Yeah. You know. And that's kind of the part of the, the evolution of this whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. Right. When I, yeah, then I, we got paid for what we did. When Warren took over and and started Texas and he started exporting all the people out of the out of the cities and into other places, that whole story changed. And it kind of changed with Alco, right? There was a company called Alco, and they did drums and and all of this, and it employed a lot of of people in town. And we used to call it declaring jubilee because no one would get paid. And then they would get up in a half months and say, uh, you know, well, this is the profits company. Uh, we're all working together. So we're just going to everything that we owe you. We, we're going to let that all go. We'll write it off. And then from here on out, we're going to we're going to start paying everybody regularly. And so that became an inside joke for us. You know, <laughs> every time we went into a meeting, and we weren't getting paid. We'd be like, oh, they're going to Oh, I lost your audio. Did the audio stop again? Yeah. Just right right when you said, I can't remember now. What were you saying? Continue what you were saying. Yeah, well, it's like declaring jubilee. There right? And so people wouldn't get paid. Uh, and there would be a, a massive amount of money owed to people in town, mothers, and people sewing, and us working all night, night shifts. And, and they would get up and David Allred would say, oh, this is the profits company. So we're all going to, you know, support the profit and we can't afford to pay you. So we won't pay you for everything you've done. But what we will do is pay you consistently from this time forward. And we started to, we called that declaring Jubilee. Right. Never once did they ever pay from that time forward. And it just became, and it, it was the evolution of Warren creating this money, this money machine where Kids didn't get paid for what they did. Mm -hmm. Every they would create these work camps and they would send them out all over the country. And they're still this is still happening today. Uh, and they would go out and, and work and they would give them a very 
a limited amount of money uh, and they would just take it all. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, they would just take all the money and put it into the church and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars uh, were pumped into the FLDS church through this. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm sure that there's still some people in the fringes that are still out there taking advantage of it right now. Mm-hmm. So you have pretty good insight on that um, because you are a businessman entrepreneur. Um, discuss your opinions on how Warren slowly became. So you said he was actually a decent guy at Alta Academy. How, what are your opinions on how he got to where he is now as the dictator, ruler of the cult? I think that he did a lot of things, right? Number one, he was a master manipulator and he could, he, he played with words. And this is how he really got people, you know, a lot of people from the outside look at it and say, how the hell do you get to this point? Mm-hmm. How, how can you guys be that stupid? Right. And it's a legitimate question. And, and the answer to that is, is very small steps, very, very small strategic steps. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like putting a frog in a boiling hot water. It doesn't even realize it's boiling to death if you whip, eat it up slowly. And it's no different with with this. And it's it's fascinating, the the, the, the psychology behind it. But. What he would do is he would take words like dad. We'd start with the, with the word dad. And then he would say, no, or that's not respectful. We're going to call uh, the, we're going to call him father from here on out. That's why they call him in the, in the book. Right. Yeah. They say father. And everybody says, oh, that makes total, total sense. I respect my father. Absolutely. So now we call him father. A month later, he gets up and he says, well, the father is he holds the priesthood. Mm-hmm. So we're going to uh, call him our priesthood father now. And everybody says, oh, yeah, priesthood, he does. Yeah, that makes total sense. We'll call him priesthood father. Then he drops the bombshell. After everybody's gotten used to that term, he comes in and says, that man lost his priesthood. Hmm. How can he be your father? Hmm. And he would summarily execute a man. And he would. what he did is he made the term dad into a Velcro sticker that he could rip off of one man and slap onto another. Oh, wow. That's a good and way he, to put it. And people didn't even realize they were being led down that path until they were there. And now they're so far down, right? They've taught their kids to say that. They've, they've, and they've taught everybody around them to say it. They're a fervent believer. If they don't say it, then they're out. And, and they put themselves inside of a chicken coop. Mm-hmm. And, and all they can do is ride the ride. Right. And he did that on so many things. Like, Take the word keep sweet, right? That's yeah. a great word. But he's like, ah, yeah. And then he says, keep sweet no matter what, right? The time is short and we got to keep sweet no matter what. All right, I'll, I'll have the spirit of God. I'm going to be nice to everybody no matter what. And then he brings it in and he goes, keep sweet. It's a matter of life and death, hmm. right? And now he's basically taken another term, right? And he's made it into this common thing. And they got dome label stickers sticking on their cars that are saying, keep sweet no matter what. It's a matter of life and death. Yeah. And it became this extremely extreme saying and it, that had so much threat to it and so much force to it. And everybody's, you know, and, and, and the number one thing is his ability to manipulate the English, English language yeah. and bring people around. You know, to where to where they have to almost call themselves a liar if they want to stand up to him. Yeah. They and he he essentially pinned everybody against each other. He but, did. And, and he had no blood on his hands at the point. All oh, right. And, and the other thing he would do is he would he would get those close to him and he would make them accomplices. Yeah. So you know, if you were close to him and he wanted to go and do diddle you with some whatever some young girl, then he would give them a young wife. Mm. So now they had a wife. If you turn on me, you're going down with me, wow. right? Yeah. 
So, you know, he made them all accomplices and it made it very difficult for anybody that wanted to stand up against him to do it because they, if they did it, they're, they're cutting their own throat. Were, are people physically scared of him or just it's no. a brainwash? No, it's a total brainwash thing. Okay. He's a gangly, tall, awkward guy. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's not, a, it's not a physical threat. you know. And that's the thing I think that's a, mis- a huge misconception is that the FLDS are not a violent people. Mm-hmm. They have never been a violent people. You know, if there is any of that kind of stuff, it's some random thing that you would normally see in any society. Mm-hmm. The FLDS as a whole have never been violent. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, you know, they used a lot of manipulation and, and whatnot. I think the thing that always burned me the most is, is how they used the dead against the living. Mm-hmm. And one of your family members died and you weren't a member of the church. You couldn't go to their funeral. You couldn't go pay your last respects. I mean, I was told when my aunt April died uh, and, and I loved her very, very much. And I wanted to go to that funeral. And I, the message was delivered to me straight from Lyle. Mm-hmm. They said that if I, they even saw my car drive up Hurricane Hill, because I lived in Salt Lake at the time, mm-hmm. they would stop the funeral and they would go up and bury her. What? Yeah. So I couldn't, uh, that I was literally, that message was delivered to me from Lyle himself. To me. And I was so pissed. Right. Because, you know, it's like, who does that? You know, and, and, it's just so wrong on so many levels and, and the humanity of it is just, it's disgusting. Yeah. And, and, and the extremism through the whole Warren thing, when he came in, you know, if you go back and you look at pictures clear back in the old days, you know, kid, girls have short skirts, they're wearing short sleeves, you know, it's colorful, their hairs are done like normal people. And then you watch where they are now. They have these plaid colored dresses. Their hairs are all done the exact same. Mm-hmm. They have this tone in their voice that they've been taught to speak. And, and it's a completely different snapshot. And these mm-hmm. people don't even realize that the religion they're living right now is not the religion they were living 10 years ago. It's a completely different religion. And, and a lot of them don't even realize. They don't even know what Warren has done. Right. Or the, the Warren Jeffs that you and I know. Are, is not the Warren Jeffs that these mothers and, and children know. They, yeah. they know a different version of him. And, and they, they've controlled the information so carefully uh, that that it's very difficult. You know, if you go up to them, and it's like when my sister Lucia left, okay? Mm-hmm. She was terrified. I hadn't seen her in, in 10 years or, no, it was five years or six years. Anyway, so she left and she came up and stayed at my, at my house in Salt Lake City. And I want her to see but if I were to go up to her and say, Warren's a son of a bitch and he did this and he did that with this girl or whatever, she would close off, right? So I had this book of all the Texas evidence. I had four big old books of it. Every ounce, every interview, everything. You know, obviously a lot of it was redacted because there was protecting minors and yeah. stuff like that. That part wasn't in there. But the rest of it, you know, there was a picture of Warren standing there with shorts on, you know, wearing a T-shirt that says one size fits all. Yeah. No joke. I mean, this guy's out there, the top 10 most wanted. He's flaunting this. He's in New Orleans. He's going to strip clubs. He's, he's riding a Harley, you know, and, and this guy's out there totally two-faced as can be. Yep. And, and so I stick, I stick these books on the, on the table when we see a comps, right? And I said, hey, I'm not going to say anything, but I want you to make up your own mind. And I said, I put those books there and I said, I'm, not, I'm, I'm dropping it. I'll never bring it up again. But if you want to see, there's those books right there. Yeah. Going, and I just no, I said, I'm just going to leave him there and, and whatever I can do to help you, you let me know. Yeah. And, you know, the curiosity eventually got to her, right? And she had to go over there. 
And she didn't get through half of that first book without her crying her eyes out. I can imagine. Was literally crying her eyes out because she had literally given her whole life, her primest years of her life, to this sick son of a bitch. And the evidence was so overwhelming and so undeniable that I didn't have to say anything. Mm. You know, and, and, and the secret to that is these people have to come to that themselves. Yeah. If we come at them and try ramming that down their throat, all we're going to do is make them into an enemy. Uh, they have to be ready to hear that and they have to want to hear that. And, and that takes time. You know, you can take someone out of the FLDS church, but it's a whole nother story to take the FLDS church out of them. Yeah. And a lot of times when they leave the FLDS church, their enemies don't change. Their agenda doesn't change. They, they still they still believe immunization immunizations are bad you know they still believe the government's out to get them and 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 you know that's a those are some of these are controversial topics even outside of the FLDS correct right but that mentality of, of my enemies yesterday are still my enemies today you know it's like when my brother Clinton left it was one of the awesomest days of my life because he's one of my closest friends and I loved him and I missed him and when he called me and he gave me the and he's like I'm out we're leaving and his wife was with him and they were coming out as a family and I was just thrilled for him. And he asked me, he says, if you had one piece of advice to give me, what would it be? And I said, take every single thing that you were told about everybody else over the pulpit and within the, the rumor mill at, at, at home and disregard it and let everybody be who they're going to be to you. Judge them by who they are and, and take all of those pre premeditated grudges and judgments and whatever and and. Give everybody a shot to show you if they're if they're and if they're that kind of a person, then disregard them. Right. If they're not, then be open to that. You know, and he tells me all the time that was the best advice I ever gave him. And and you know, I've been on the receiving end of that judgment uh, for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And that's why you know, to me, it's it's been a difficult thing to navigate because you know, you it's very easy for someone to come out and slander you. Uh, you know, even since I moved back to this community, it's very easy for somebody to come out and slander me because of a pre-made judgment from 10 years ago. Uh, and, and it's not hard to convince someone something that they already believe. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, it's like somebody has somebody doesn't like somebody else. Said, that guy's a jerk. You know, and they're like, yeah, he is. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really the critical thinking is shut off. There is no critical thinking. There is no. Wait a minute. Let me analyze this. Did this person actually ever do anything to me? Right. Uh, right. Oh no, he didn't. And you know, it's that kind of thing. Yeah. And so that's been that's been a, a big uphill battle that I've had to fight for many years. So let's talk about you moving back down to the creek. Um, how long did you live in Salt Lake? We'll go into that. Uh, I lived in Salt Lake. I want to stay for ten years, approximately. Um, I lived in West Jordan. Um, I started a tech company up there called MEP Technologies. Uh, and we we filed a bunch of patents. Um, we pioneered some of the world's best interactive technology, period. Uh, I worked with Hasbro, Intel, IBM, HP, Mattel, uh, and built a lot of of relationships in the tech sector. And so, you know, I moved down here. My wife had a lot of family here, uh, my current wife, Ashley, and I had family here. Families were all starting to leave, and we wanted to be closer to them. You know, we've lost 10 years of our time. We wanted to be closer to our family and, and experience them in that transition and help them and and also, it was it was uh, it was economical for us to do so, and so we moved down here. A lot of my investors didn't like it because of the stigma around the around it, right? Mm-hmm. And it became very difficult for me to kind of 
to, to do the things I needed to do uh, with my tech company here. But anyway, fast forward two years, uh, we we're now, you know, pioneering even new roads. Um, we're, we're doing an initial public offering under the flagship of Ulight. Uh, this will be the first time anybody in this whole region has ever gone uh, public and been, and been traded on NASDAQ. Um, it's a very big deal. And my, my goal is to bring jobs here and not just not just minimum wage jobs, because right now you can go flip a burger. You can go be a telemarketer. But you, there is not a primary source of income that a family can get here in this valley. It just doesn't exist. Um, everyone's going out the way they always have done. And they're outsourcing. You know, my son, I don't want to see my son have to go to St. George and try to commute two hours every day. Uh, take all the economical gain that we could get from that and, and spending it everywhere else. Right. And and then coming back here. Right. And eventually they'll just go, well, why do, why do I travel? I'll just move. Right. Right. We have to create we have to create uh, an environment here in this community where we can capture that. I mean, we are in one of the most beautiful places in the world. Yeah. The tourism here is booming right now. People are setting up the, the tents and these B&Bs and, and everybody's coming in. I'm seeing tourists every single day now. Mm-hmm. And, and there's some huge plans in the works in the future to really capitalize on that. And we have a great airport. It's, a, it, this, it's one of the best locations for an airport. It can land a plane bigger than what St. George can. Mm-hmm. And, and so, it, you know, it's, it's won awards. And it really just needs vision. It needs entrepreneurship. It needs, you know, our chamber, which is doing a great job uh, going out and, and networking. And we have to convince the surrounding communities that this is different. We have to show them. And, and if you think that they're going to look at us and say, oh, yeah, I see that change. I want to be a part of it. No, they're not. You're not going to undo 100 years worth of bias in a week. Right. That, that's going to take experience. That's going to take experienced entrepreneurs sitting down with these people and showing them results is what it's going to take. And, and I am committed to that. I am going to be one of those guys that creates those results. And, and we're going to have those conversations and there is going to be a shift and it's already happening. I'm thrilled to be a part of it in the, in the capacity that can be, uh, you know, I always look at every conversation. Like I don't want to just be in the conversation. I want to add value to it. And if my involvement doesn't add value, I'd rather not be involved. Well, I'm very, I'm, I'm so very excited for um, the business to boom there because there is such a need for, what's the word, businesses there and people to, because I know a lot of people that drive to St. George every day and do the framing and stuff. They need to be able to, do, they just can just do it at the crick if they have to, you know. Well, it's got to be sustainable. Yeah. Business has to be sustainable. It's right. one thing to go and open a restaurant and, and when you fly the doors open and you got all your stuff, you did the floor, you got all the tables or you have your point of sale systems all set up and you just want to party. No, that's when the work starts. Yeah. But now you have to create a financially sustainable over a long period of time of business. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you can't create that sustainability, we're just playing ring around the rosies. It's all a big fat waste of time and money. And sustainability is what we have to do. And we have to bring the medium income up because one of the very unique challenges we have is we have the trust and it's trying to give these homes back to the people and they have to assume some debt for that. And they have to learn how to do things they've never done, which is a mortgage, uh, manage their finances. And and they've been so sucked dry by the Jeff's regime over the last 10 years. These guys don't know how to do that. We need educators in here. 
They're going to teach these people how to run their money. And, and most of all, we have to create money because if these people can't afford uh, to, to pay a mortgage and, and, and they can't afford to assume the debt to pay the trust, they're just going to be evicting people every other month. And we'll just have a big fat cycle of evictions for the next five years. We have to go at the core problem. And the core problem is creating a primary income, 18, 25 bucks an hour, uh, 401ks, full health insurance, you know, like any other city would do. And, and allowing these people to have their quality of life rise and giving them money in their wallets so that they can actually affect change. And, and that creates taxes, that fixes roads. That fixes a lot of things that everybody is talking about and, 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 and should be, right? They should be. Yeah. Uh, but it, 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 it creates that value that then ripples out to everything else. And, and it's all about sustainable business. It's all about creating income that is more than minimum wage. Something that, you know, somebody can actually create a life off of. And you can't do that on minimum wage. Right, right, exactly. Um. <laughs> I was going to say, should we get it? Do you want to get into a little bit about your current family? You mentioned your wife, Ashley. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I, Ashley, uh, her, her maiden name is Ashley Beisline. Um, we've been together for a long time, nine years, I think. Uh, and she's, yeah, love her to death. Um, she's uh, working with me closely in you right now, um, which is great to have her kind of supporting me in that role. Uh, I have three beautiful children. Uh, my oldest is Kyson. Uh, he's just barely turned a teenager, so I get to go through that experience. Oh, yay. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm totally thrilled. I hope I get to actually say I made a successful adult one day. Right. <laughs> but right. He's a smart kid. I'm really proud of him. Um, he's already learning technology. He's already learning code. Uh, and, and, you know, he's, he's a good kid, very well-behaved kid. And my daughter, Kyra, uh, she's, uh, uh, she's a lot like me. <laughs> got a little bit of spitfire in her personality. But, <laughs> and then my stepdaughter, uh, Sadie. Okay. Um, and Sadie's super creative, artistic, lover to death. Awesome. Um, so for everybody out there that has watched the A&E show, Cults and Extreme Beliefs, you may have seen Lamont on there. Um, he had a big part in that, in that episode of the FLDS. Do you want to talk a little bit about that experience? Sure. Yeah, that was actually quite a crazy experience because, you know, I, I remember sitting there right before I went on stage with Norma and I could I could I could hear the questioning. Right. I, I knew the questions that were being asked and, and I kind of felt like she was getting beat up a little bit. Mm. It wasn't my intent to go on there and try to, you know, beat her up. I want to want to be a part of the solution. I don't want to go out there and fight. Anyway, so I made the conscious decision and I, I really hoped that they weren't going to cut this out, but they did. Oh, <laughs> And, and I, I decided that the first thing I was going to do when I walked on stage was I was going to give Norma a hug. And so I did. And I t- totally blew Elizabeth Jarvis out of the water. <laughs> I didn't know how to react to it, right? right. It was this big confrontation or whatever. And it still kind of got there, but it wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I got up there and I gave Norma a hug. And I tell that even shocked Norma, right? But it set the tone. You know, it set the tone. I'm not, you know, these, these people... Uh, you know, a lot of people don't, they don't understand how manipulated and used they have been and, and where they are in their minds and how terrified they are. Mm-hmm. And they're scared. I mean, the, the, it, the biggest truth here is that all the FLDS that are left here in this community today were left. The real perpetrators are in Pringle, Colorado. They're up in, in South Dakota. 
all those guys, they took their chosen followings and left. There is no support group here for these mothers, for these children. There is nothing here for them. They got left here. And they, they can't go to a bishop. They can't ask for help. And so they're out in limbo. They don't know what to do. And and they're trying to create a, a life and a living uh, when, when they don't have that. And a lot of people don't really even want to have that conversation because it's a difficult conversation. Uh, but it's real. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have disabled people. You have you have people that really have nowhere to go. Yeah. Have nowhere to go. And the state's not helping. Uh, no one's stepping in to help. They're just the big bad FLDS people, you know. And, and it, in life, it's 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 never all black and white. There's no such thing as black and white. Everything is shades of gray. Okay. And there's complexities to every single situation, including this one. And there's conversations that are not being had that absolutely need to be had uh, because it's a humanitarian problem. And I personally would never uh, uh, evict a mother and children without at least trying to create a solution. Right. And at the same time, you know, the trust has very complex issues they're dealing with. And no matter what they do, uh, uh, it's a very thankless job, I think. Uh, for all of the sitting trustees, because no matter what they do, they're going to be they're going to be criticized and ridiculed, and ever, nobody's ever going to be happy. And 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 you know, how do you go out there and solve this problem in mass? You know, it it, it I honestly believe there needs to be more state involvement, more state funds uh, uh, available uh, to to help with these issues, because the trust can't do it all themselves, and and they're trying the best they can, uh, I think, to to make it work. But you know. There needs to be some other form of assistance for these people and not just rushing over them like they're all just the FLDS. Right. A lot of these women and, and mothers, they don't even realize they've been iced. You know, they don't even know they've been iced. Mm-hmm. And they're just sitting there waiting for one day a, a miraculous res- restoration to take place. <laughs> and, 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 you know, in the meantime, they get they get churned by the machine. Yeah. So, Norma, that you're talking about, um, I know, I know a lot of people that know of Mother Norma. Um, I've I pers- I have met her. Um, is there any thing that you could say to her to like, or is she just dedicated to the core? Yeah, I can talk to her. Um, she's been very warm to me. Okay, uh, we, I've had several interactions with her. I donated a bunch of flooring to their to their little store over uh, there. Yeah, cool. You know, and, and, you know, it's my objective here is to build bridges, not burn them down. Yeah. And, you know, I, I want everybody to feel, you know, welcome and friendly. I want our families, like I said on Amy, I want us to be able to coexist. I'm not here to change anybody's religion or their right to believe it. Yeah. They believe whatever they want. Um, but we don't have to be extreme. We don't have to disassociate from people because they disagree with us. That's the problem in politics. It's the problem in religion. It's the problem in, in any cult. Yep. is us and them if you're a part of my club you're in if you're not then you're not in and you don't get the secret password you know it's it's so it's 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 ridiculous yeah. and it needs to be there our country wasn't founded on those principles it's a, it's founded on the principles of, it, of inclusive of having an open dialogue being able to have a discussion with someone uh and persuade and persuade uh through respect and to persuade someone you have they have to know that you care about them uh, and if you just start th- hurling accusations right. and, and going, you know, to the extremism and that and that that dude, I see it on Facebook every day. You know, people saying you're a moron. 
you know, and they use, you know, you think calling someone a moron is going to persuade them to your point of view. Yeah. No, all they're going to do is they're going to dig in and they're going to resist more and they're going to reinforce their false perception. Yeah. And so it, you, you care about it. And I care about Norma. I care about these people. Yeah. And, and it is not my objective to manipulate them or, or to force them to see anything. I would like, you know, if they want to take a look, I would definitely assist that. Right. But I'm, I'm not here to ram Warren's a bad guy down your throat because I'm not going to get anywhere doing that. Right. So you got to proceed with caution, essentially. Say that again. You got to proceed with caution. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, That's what, how you hearts and minds. Right. There you go. We I've been down to the crick twice now, and I was expecting to be like followed and like scared off or anything. That did not happen. Um, no, people have told me maybe 10 years ago that was a thing, um, but the community has come a long way already. Oh, no question. You know, changing our city governments has been great. Uh, you know, we have our first female mayor, which is, you know, good. Awesome. It, there's diversity that's happening. People are, 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 you know, I drive down the road and people are waving. I see kids walking their dog. You know, all these normal things that a normal town has, right? And we're also going through our first political process ever. You know, where the, where there's not a church that's just dictating who's just automatically be elected. And so now it's an open democracy. People are running for town council. People are, are, are actually building platforms and, 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 and having a voice and voter turnout is at record highs. And, and so the, the change is very real and it's happening very fast. And as a result of, of Warren sucking all the businesses dry and killing all the commerce, uh, there's this big huge vacuum of need and entrepreneurs are coming in here by the droves to fill those needs mm. and big business is going to happen we're going to we're and we're going to come in here and create a very economical very friendly uh community where people are going to want to come I mean, we're right by the grand canyon we're right next door to zines national park the arizona strip grand escalante uh, monument mm-hmm. i mean we are right in the middle of some of the most beautiful country in the world and what we need to do is re rebrand the stigma uh, and say, you know what? We're not a bunch of stupid plagues out here. Right. Uh, we're, 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 you know, we're coming back. You know, guys like me who went out and spent, you know, 10, 13 years away from this community learning uh, how to do things the right way. And, and we're coming back and I'm not the only one. There's a lot of us. And we're coming back with that experience, that drive, that youth, that energy. And we're going to do it. Awesome. That's that's so exciting. Are you there? Yeah. Okay. Um, do you have, I love to end on positive notes. So let's go ahead and end on the positive. This has actually been a very positive interview. Um, but advice to others, you gave some advice to, you said that you gave to your brother. Um, other advice you could give to anybody. Yeah, I just think make sure your critical thinking is engaged. Make sure that you're taking people at face value and that you're not just jumping on some train because everybody else is doing it. You know, in, in this community, uh, the rumor mill has churned up and judged and tried and executed so many people. The rumor mill, because everybody, you know, they, they run with rumor. And that's one of the worst things about, the, you know, even living here now is the rumor mill is so out of control. And everybody's a coffee making their little, you know, and you got all these little clicks, you know, it's not about a click. You know, it's not about whose group are you in. It's about who's got the skill set. Who's going to come in here and, and make a difference. And whether I disagree with them or not. 
whatever my personal opinion might be, um, if they can come in and do a good job, I think they ought to be the one doing that job. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Lamont, thank you for being on here, and uh, we'll talk soon. No problem. Have a good one.